Welcome. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. So what's new today is today is 12 years of How She Really Does It. This just blows my mind. I love every year being able to reflect and think about why I started the show and all the transformations and changes that the show went through, the evolving and how I evolved and the listeners have evolved through these past 12 years. It just blows my mind that a woman who didn't have radio experience and had this idea because I had this quest for knowledge and information and I started this show and so many people have been a part of this. So I want to say a big thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for being a part of this before even we knew what podcasting was. I was on live radio to start with and I think within a few months we were already podcasting as well and I had one of those Apple iWeb websites that I had built myself so that with a link so that people could live stream it back in the day before I think we even had phones that you could listen to it. You had to listen to it via the computer or via radio. So I've been through all sorts of different technologies and stuff. And I'm just so grateful to be here after 12 years. It's amazing. If you would ask me back in 2006, what I've been here I, I don't think I could have looked past 2006. I looked at like the first six guests and how would they fill the 30 minutes of live air that I would have for the show. And since then we've transformed and I've interviewed the who's who of people and there's a bunch of great content and we're probably close to about 600 shows. There was a c- couple of years in there where now I look back and I'm like, I was really crazy, but where I did two, not one, but two shows. And let me back up. When I first started the show, it was 30 minutes of live radio. And soon within, if we started in October, and I think by the 2007, I was up to a full hour. And then at some point I decided, well, one show is not so bad. Let's do two back to back with different guests. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was crazy but I didn't realize it. And I was just hungry and I loved to do it. And it was fun. And I learned a lot. And I'm so grateful for all the conversations I was able to have. And I'm so grateful for all the emails and the iTunes reviews. And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being along a part of this journey. I have a new twist on how to celebrate past years. I've invited former guests or former, uh, co-host to my show to talk about it. I've also done where I've talked about what I've learned from the different guests through the years. The last few years, I've been doing more of a mini-sode podcasting deep dives where I get on and I talk about things. And a lot of times these are conversations and topics that come up with my clients. And so it's my way to give back to you of information that you can take and implement in your own life. And so today I get to merge like the best of both worlds, right? A longtime podcast listener and she's here and she's seen them been a part of this transformation of the show where she would listen to guests. And she talks about that, about, you know, back then when the show was guests and there was a lot of books and she would read the books and she talks about that. 
And then over the years, she became a client. She was in one of my group coaching programs many years ago and when then went off and did her thing and then came back and she's one of my private clients. And so she's talking about you know, how she brings this podcast to life and actually implements it. Because here's the thing that's so, so important. There's a few things. One is that it's not about what you know, and it's not about just having content. It's about taking it. How do you incorporate it into your life? How do you implement it? How do you practice it in your life? That's what's going to have change. This is nice, supportive information. And it's nice because it's like, oh yeah, I really believe that. Or that really rings true. Or, oh yes, I forgot that. But how do you incorporate and live it in your life? And I liken it to, this is for some reason why I think of this, but like cooking, you know, I don't have to use any brain juice in the morning when I make my coffee or when I make my breakfast because it's pretty standard. I do it. I have my routine. It's done. But all of a sudden, now that we're switching into like fall and winter and the dishes that I cook for dinner are different, I'm always going, oh yeah, how how do I grill that ribeye steak? Or how do I make, you know, the chicken pesto mozzarella in the oven? What is it again that I need to do? What are the ingredients? And I have to go back and pull out my recipes or go online and take a look at it. And it takes more brain juice. It takes more energy because I'm out of practice. So the thing about all of this information is that you show up, you practice it. And some of the stuff is going to be easier than others. It's like my breakfast or my coffee in the morning. It doesn't take a lot of brain juice. And then some of the stuff you may know, but you've forgotten. And it's like cooking the ribeye or the occasional meals where you need to pull out the recipe. And then there's the other stuff of, oh my gosh, I can see the recipe, but I don't even know what some of this stuff is. And that's okay. You're not an idiot. It's not a reflection of your intelligence. Maybe you just need some help with it. And that's all okay. So I'm really excited to share this interview, this conversation with Miriam. She's been, again, a longtime listener, one of my clients, and I'll share her story with you. And then I will circle back with you at the end of this interview. Thank you so much for listening. Miriam, hello and welcome to my show. I am so excited for you to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening for years and years, so I'm very excited to uh, be on the other side. Did you ever think that you would be on the other side of this? No, I didn't. And when I first met you, I had been listening to the show for a while and I set some goals of here are some things I want to get, I want to achieve in the next, I think it was, I usually think in like 90 days. So maybe it was 90 days or a little longer. And I said, I want to meet Corinne. And I said, I don't know how that's going to happen. We're both in Northern California, but not too close to each other. And I said, there's something about this woman I just need to have a deeper connection with. Um, and, uh, here we are. So the power of intention, there you go. The power of intention. And that was many years ago. And we did meet many years ago and you've been a longtime listener. And so I invited you to help me celebrate because this is 12 years of doing this podcast, 12 years. And I thought about it. I was like, well, you know, who do I want to bring on to help me celebrate? And oftentimes I'll bring another co-host or former guest. And I thought, you know what? I should bring on Miriam because she's been such a fan of the show and such a supporter and listening and been here through all the changes, right? Back in the days when I used to do only interviews and now I do mostly minisodes and deep dives. And so you've been here through that process. And then we've also had a special relationship because I've got to partner with you as a client. You've been my client for, you know, a a period of time. And so been able to take all this stuff that I've talked about on the show and actually implement it in your life. So I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you. 
congratulations. We're having some virtual champagne. And maybe <laughs> next time we see each other in person, we'll have some real champagne. But 12 years is pretty amazing to go from radio to the world of podcasting pretty seamlessly. And uh, now when I listen, it's such a different experience because I know you so much more. And I think, oh, if they could only, you know, yes, she's saying this, but if they knew her and also had a call once a week to to understand how this worked in their lives, everyone would, you know, be as, as supercharged as I am. So uh, I still am a um, huge fan of the show um, and of you and, as you know, your brain. I always come back to I just want time with your brain. So however I can get it, if it's one-on-one or in the show, or I'll take it all. I love that because you're a very intelligent person, human. I don't even want to say woman. Like You're very intelligent. The fact that you want access to my brain right, is just such an honor and a privilege. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. We all bring something different to the table. So I think I have a lot of academic success. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you know, I have anything else figured out other than how to get into fancy schools and, uh, and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, and I think it's a lot of us who get to these fancy schools and have this level of professional achievement have done it using the white knuckle method. Mm -hmm. And it just means that we're really good at that method. And so we may be smart and super persistent, but it definitely uh, doesn't indicate that we're going about it in the healthiest way or in the way that best serves us and, and our families. Well, and when you talk about the white knuckle method, like what's the method you use now? Oh, now it's kind of the opposite of the white knuckle method where I'm so deliberate about the feelings I want to have and the outcomes I want to have. And I really keep going back to first principles of what do I believe and what do I know is true? And that is something you've helped me uncover of what are the stories that I used to believe? Oh, everyone does it this way. You should do things a certain way. And so if you don't fit into that mold of how you were raised or how folks have told you that things are done, you you end up just, just pushing through and having it be really inauthentic. And so now I go back to, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty different from most of the people in my industry and most of the people in my world. And hey, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Lead with that difference and lead with what I know in my gut is the right way to do things. Um, and that just makes the whole experience so much more satisfying. And I can get, I, I can do so much more than I ever thought I could using that technique where I could achieve a lot with white knuckles, but it wasn't authentic and it didn't feel good and it wasn't fun. And how hard did you have to work when you were white knuckling? Oh, I worked really, really hard. <laughs> I worked really hard. And, and that's not to say like a lot of times people think, oh, if I'm compassionate, I'm complacent, right? Or I'm just going to be lazy. I mean, you still work hard, but it's a different kind of hard, isn't it? It's a smarter kind of hard, and it's more in my zone of genius. So there are things that I don't enjoy doing, and frankly, I'm not that good at that I used to just kind of jam through. And now I say, like, hey, I don't have to do that. What are resources in the world that I can use so that I'm just doing what I really love? 
And it's not all sunshine and roses, right? I sit through meetings that I don't want to sit through. And um, sometimes I'm, I'm working on things I don't want to work on, but I'm not, I'm not doing the stuff that's really out of line with who I want to be and the kind of way I want to be spending my day. And the area that you focus on of the specialty area where it's tremendously valuable to the companies that you work with. And, and it's also very different and unique, right? Than maybe the way other people do it. I have a super niche specialty that I've built. And so there are two ways of looking at that where I can say, oh, no one else is doing that. And a lot of people don't even understand what I do. It's not worth anything. <laughs> or you can reframe that and turn it around and say, I bring something super unique to the market and that should command high prices and that should command a certain level of respect and a certain type of client. And you could believe you could choose to believe either one, but whatever you're going to believe is the energy that you're going to bring to, to that career. And I think I was believing the former when we started and I'm now really believing in the latter. And it's not this false, like, Oh, if you believe you're skinny, you're going to be skinny. It's I'm not making a vision board here. I'm very grounded in what is real. And, you know, as I, as we talk about, I'm allergic to BS, right? So it has to be something that I can really believe in, but I, I do believe, and I know in my gut that my difference is very valuable to the industry that I'm in. And I only need certain people to agree with that. I don't need to convince the haters or convince the world. I need to carve out a niche for myself. I often remember I said that Miriam's very smart and very intelligent. And I often say to her, I go, I don't really understand all the stuff that you do because it's in this very specialized world. But what we work on is in her mindset and her overcoming her own shame. Because here's the thing that's so important. I've been saying this all day to all of my clients is that we all have shame. We all experience shame and shame is the voice of you're not enough. You're not smart enough and you're not good enough. It's not done perfectly. It's that voice, right? Which then threatens our very ability to belong and have connection. And we're all hardwired for connection. We want to belong. We want to have a place. We want to provide for our families. And so the good news is that, you know, just by doing this work, it's not that I'm the I always say the fairy godmother, it's not bippity boppity boop. And there goes the shame and you never have it because we want to be able to feel shame because then we're not sociopaths, right? Because the, the, the small part, part of the population that cannot feel it, and this is based on Brene Brown's research. So it's not just me pulling, you know, some BS out, but is the small part of the population that cannot feel shame. They, they don't have that ability. They're actually sociopaths. So all of us who feel shame, it's great. That means you're not a sociopath. And then from here, how do we develop resilience? So you can feel it. We can have our doubts. We can have that voice in the back of our head saying, who the hell do you think you are? What do you think is going on? And we can go, wait a second. Is this my voice? Is this my voice? Is this my parents' voice? Is this my, you know, uh, college's voice? Is this from the university of how we're all supposed to go along? and go, but what's really true for me? Right. And I, I was raised to fit in and achieve. Mm -hmm. And you sit through elementary school in a class of, I don't know, 30 something kids and one teacher. And if you deviate from what's asked for and what the expectation is, you get reprimanded. Um, 
you know, in, in my family, I was expected to really achieve academically and achieve with musical instruments and all of these other things that my parents thought that, you know, putting the pressure on it would set me up to be the most effective in the world. And maybe a hundred years ago, it would, or if, if you're raising people to work in a factory or this more command control society, but now, you know, if so many people are entrepreneurs or are trying to do things differently or uh, will get rewarded the most for creative thinking. And so that doesn't serve me anymore. Um, and so some of that was was trying to figure out, I know my parents had good intentions. I know my teachers had good intentions, but is that still serving me? Uh, and that was really helpful to unpack with you and say, you know, that that can get you a certain way down the road, but what, how are you going to use your thoughts to best support yourself instead of using your thoughts to help you hedge or, or help you hide? So let's talk about what it really looks like to use the thoughts, because I think sometimes when I'm talking to people, I'm always like, this is higher level work, right? Of when we use our thoughts, it's not just going, my favorite example is, you know, you go in positive, positive self-talk where you stand in front of the mirror and you go, I'm skinny, I'm skinny, I'm skinny, right? If only, yeah. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about. So can you explain like what, you know, using your thoughts is like? So... I was think I've been thinking about how to talk about this and it evolves, right? Because it isn't mm-hmm. super apparent um, immediately how you use your thoughts. But if there is a crappy feeling, that's worth sitting with for a while and trying to unpack and figure out what is going on. Um, if you think like, oh, I shouldn't call this person to try to develop new business because uh, he's going to think like, who am I? And, you know, he's big time at some, I'm in finance. So he's at some big bank or something that comes from a place of shame of I'm not good enough, or I'm not enough instead of, Hey, I have all of this stuff that he might think is actually pretty interesting. And I'm just, a, I'm a person also. And that doesn't, there are a lot of people in this world who will pick up the phone and call anyone because they feel like, they're a person, the other person's a person. Um, And so if I'm attaching stories that I'm not important enough to call certain people, I'm either A, not going to call them, or B, when I call them, I'm going to act kind of weak. And that's not helping me, helping my clients. And so sitting with that feeling of, okay, I don't want to call this guy. What does that mean? What am I feeling? Okay, I can drill down to he's going to think I'm not important or not smart or not, I don't know this industry or whatever it is. I can then drill that down to shame and say, (laughs) what I like, I keep this list on my computer of like, here are the actual feelings. Um, There are good feelings. There are bad feelings. And there are only how many 15 or something. Yeah. There are very few actual real feelings. So feeling like garbage is not a feeling. right? (laughs) Thank you. So you can say that, but then you need to take it a step further and and really sit with it and say like, oh, it's really that I don't, I'm telling myself this story that I'm not worthy of calling this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know what? I know that's not true because here's what I do. It's different. 
here's what he's looking for, new opportunities, right? I start thinking through, if I was my best friend, what would I say to myself about why I should pick up the phone? Um, and not in a BS-y kind of way, but in a true, here's what you bring to the table kind of way. And then I think, okay, I've got all this stuff. And I start to think about it and I say, you know what, I'm going to tell myself this guy could really get some more business by aligning with me. And I sit with that for a while and it has to feel true. And I think, yeah, that is true. And I pick up the phone and I call the guy mm -hmm. and I have a good attitude and I'm projecting strength and I'm not hedging. And there I've used thoughts to turn it around. It influenced my actions. And I make money when I make new connections for my clients or when I come up with new deal structures. So this is literally actively changing my thoughts to generate more revenue. Is and that? That's exactly it. And thank you for like breaking it down so that people can see it. Because what was happening before is you were getting in your own way, right? And you're letting those shame gremlin voices tell create all these stories about how he's perceiving you or not perceiving and you don't even know if it's any of it's true and then instead it's like okay well what is the truth here like i have these opportunities we can maybe connect and then create you know build other put other deals together it could be you know beneficial i connect my clients with his bank we boom right and it helps so many people no harm done but if he doesn't know about this how can he how can he put together deals Right. And I think right. that's the difference of playing small versus showing up in our lives. And a key element to all of this is being committed to the best case scenario, <laughs> which is something we talk about a lot. And I write down all the time and remind myself because the best case scenario is that he sees value in me. I see value in him. This, you know, great relationship is started and we both make a lot of money off of it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, by doing great deals. If I go in thinking like, oh, maybe he'll like me, I don't know, I'm never even giving myself the option to hit it out of the park. I'm, you know, I'm setting myself up for the best I could do is, you know, get on first base. And like, that's not, I'm not here to get on first base. I'm here for the home runs. Um, and why would I not give myself that opportunity? Because if, how would you treat your best friend when they were going through a struggle? What would you say to them if they had the doubts? I know my best friend's strengths and what she's great at and what she's not great at. And I want her to use what she's great at and hit it out of the park. Mm -hmm. um, and to do anything less than that for myself is not fair to myself. There are a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, in business, I think a lot about certain folks who tend to rise through the ranks and do really well. And why not me? What, you know, if I'm bringing something of value to the table, why wouldn't I give myself every opportunity? And now I'm a parent and I see it so starkly of, kids who are told that they can go after whatever they want and they're not told like you're the champion of the world but they're told yeah that's great go for it and they don't put those artificial limits on themselves 
So I think your swimming background and when, and I do a super, super niche kind of finance, but I find the analogies to youth swimming constantly (laughs) so much that I want my daughter to, you know, enroll in a swim program like Corinne's, you know, (laughs) who knows what, if they they have that in my area, but it's all the same stuff. Uh You can apply it to anything, but we all are wired in a, pretty similar way and getting down to these thoughts and the thoughts that you attach to the circumstances in your life is really the key to making fundamental change. So when you, before we work together and, uh, when you would listen to the show and I, back then it was mostly, it was guests. I mean, that was years ago. So it was guests. How were you, what were you able to take away from the show back then versus how you use the show now? With the guests, it was nice to get exposed to a variety of thoughts. Mm -hmm. So the guests, you know, introduced me to like no sugar, no grains. That Mm -hmm. was like an interesting thing to think about. Um, And I'm trying to remember if you introduced me to Brene or not. Um, But there were several people on the show who I thought, oh, that's interesting. I bought a lot of books. I read a lot of books and I thought, huh, you know this is really interesting stuff. And some um, had a bigger effect than, you know, Brene, of course, has a, a huge effect. But now when I listen, it's very, uh, it, it spurs me to action, because it's very much about doing your own work. And we know a certain set of principles that you believe that I believe that listeners to your show believe or want to believe. And let's really put that into action uh, and look within instead of looking to outside experts necessarily to tell us how to do things. We have enough of those building blocks that we can put them to work. Well, and I used to be more of a junkie of let's get the next best idea and soak that up. And that's just a way of um, putting off doing your own work. Ooh, well said. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to get inspired. And I used to look for that. And I used to go to the the California Governor's Conference for Women and Families. And then Maria Shriver took it over and it was this rock star studded event. And it was great to have that like inspiration. But then I would come home and I'd be like, okay, but here I am, you know, and how do I actually incorporate it? And so I really like this idea of being able to put it to action, like you say, in the sense that, you know, one of the lies that I always say about self-help is that's personal development is not a one person job, right? Like we need somebody to walk through this path with. And sometimes it can be just like verbally vomiting, right? Like sometimes my clients will just verbally vomit because this is their place to process it and then figure out, okay, from here, where do I want to go? Right. And reminding, like I had to remind a client this morning, she kept going to like, not the best case scenario. I'm like, you keep dressing, rehearsing tragedy. And I've coached her long enough where I could get her redirected. And she knows that term. And so we can go back to, hey, let's commit to the best case scenario. Why are you creating all this dirty pain about something that hasn't even happened yet? Commit to the best case scenario. And then when you get there, and if there's a problem, you can always pivot because she's smart and resourceful, just like you are, right? But our brain is trained for tragedy instead of- And then to try to coach yourself- that's it's very hard. This is really hard stuff because you're trying to fix your brain at the same time that you're trying to coach yourself and how to fix your brain. It gets very meta. It's not 
easy at all. And um, on top of that, you know, for a lot of us who have problems with being accountable to ourselves, then you add on another layer of, I'm not going to actually do this stuff. I'm going to read the book and highlight it. And like, yeah, you know, I totally agree with that. But agreeing with it and picking up the phone to call this guy you're intimidated by are two totally different things. Yeah. And that's where the, again, going back to the, you know, the mirror and standing in front of the mirror and saying, I'm skinny, I'm skinny versus using your thoughts then to go and take massive action, right? Because what you're doing is you're telling yourself a new story that is true. It's always true. We can't lie. And as you said, you're, you have a high BS meter, right? So it's always true. But then you'd want to dial up confidence or empowerment or whatever that can be a compassion. Like I have a client that, you know, for her to go into this meeting, she just wants to be in that compassionate place because she believes that there's going to be a lot of judgment coming at her. But when you can dial up that feeling state, then from there you take action instead of trying to take action because you're reacting to fear or shame. Because when you take action, Miriam, from fear or shame, how do you show up in your life? Far from my best self. I think when you're grounded in fear or shame, um, it's fight, flight, or flee, right? And none of those serve you. That's so far from the best case scenario. Um, you know, I uh, conflict will come up and I'll think I can address this in a way that's in line with my best self, or I can address this in a way where I'm jabbing back at someone. And, you know, that might feel great in the short term, but that doesn't serve me. And I'm here to further my agenda you know, whether it be happiness with my family, whether it's my business or um, any of the goals that I have for my life, none of that in the long term is served by acting from a place of fear or shame. And now in this place, what's the what's the feeling state that you tend to be rooted in? And I say tend to be because we're going to feel all sorts of emotions, right? It's not, again, you feel shame, you're going to feel all these different feelings. But what's the feeling state that you tend to be or you work towards being on a, more on a committed basis? So my three key feeling states, the, fir- the first one is confidence. And I always want to feel really good about what I'm doing, the work I'm putting out in the world, how I'm showing up for my family and friends and myself. Uh, through our work, I've, I've really honed in on growth as being really important. So I always want to be learning, which is interesting to have at the same time as confidence, because there's always things I don't know that I want to know. And so I have to maintain confidence while I'm consistently raising the bar of what I know and understand. And then the third is joy. And just, I have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot which I appreciate. And I want to keep that in my life. And uh, it's hard to laugh when you're in, in shame. Uh, there's a lot of sarcasm that can come up, but that's not the, the truest kind of joy. And so keeping the other parts of my life super clean helps me have that pure joy that, uh, that I still live for. And so what do you mean by keeping parts of your life super clean? I don't want to attach stories to circumstances. I don't want to sit there and think, woe is me. Why is this happening? Or 
gee, gosh, this person was really mean and I think it's because they hate me or I'm not cool enough to be friends with. It's the same thoughts that all of us have had. And unless you address the cause of that head on and are really cognizant to to kind of put that observer hat on and say like, oh, I see that's coming up. Interesting. What do I know for sure that's going to serve me better than that? And how do I quickly get out of that? That just grows if you don't acknowledge it and deal with it. So I don't have, as you say, the brain juice to dedicate to all the crappy stuff. I'm here to solve big problems and and innovate and spend time with my family and crappy stuff will come. That's just part of life. So I don't need to invent new crappy stuff. (laughs) We all have enough crappy stuff. Let's, Let's contain that, just deal with it in the most efficient way and move on to the fun. (laughs) And I appreciate that because I think so often when we think of personal developments, like, oh, once I get there, right, the promises, I'll be safe and I'll just be able to enjoy life and there'll be no problems. And that's just BS because there's There's no safety. There's no safety, right? There's none. And that's probably what your parents and school were thinking of. If I just, if my kid has this, if they have that, then they're going to be safe. If they have this fancy school education, right, and have this Ivy League education, then they're going to be safe. I mean, those are the things that we've been led to believe if you have this great corporate job and then you'll be safe. And that was maybe 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the world is a fundamentally different place. And you have to be able to think on your feet and pivot and not let a circumstance own you. And if a job is not a great fit, you need to be willing to get out of there and figure out how to make the best of it. And that's the economy we're in. And it's only going to become more of that. So if you only have the skill set of you know, sit down and shut up. I don't know what what the future is for you. Um, Because sit down and shut up doesn't get you anything anymore. Well, yeah. And and it, it the other thing is that it takes so much courage to be brave, right? To be brave and to really show up and to say, hey, look, I have something that can be valuable. And here is what I have to offer you. And so, you know, one of the things that some years ago, when I was revamping my website, you know, and I was really thinking about like, what is the purpose? Because when I started how she really does it 12 years ago, I mean, it was just a radio show. I was in a lot of pain and turmoil. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. You know, the mom of four kids to blend it was a blended family. And I was working and I just felt like I was never enough. Right. And now when I think about how she really does it, it's not from that exasperated place. But it's like, okay, how do these amazing people how do they do it? You know, what is it about there? Like, and really, and that's part of when I interviewed all those different guests and like learning and Carol Dweck, who we both love and the growth mindset, right? What are the things that we can take, but then how do we implement it? Because if we don't implement it, it means nothing. It's just a highlighted, you know, quote in a book that we're never going to go back to, right? But implementing it and then becoming, and the thing that's really important for me is that we become the leaders of our lives, both personally and professionally. And it doesn't mean you that somebody gives you a title because nobody's giving you or I titles, right? We've created nope. our titles. But even if you're an employee and you don't have a leadership title, you can still be a leader, right? And, and being willing to show up and use your voice, that is so important. And that's what I really invite people to do within the alignment of their values. Right. There's no one way to do it. 
which I think is really important that it's not this make a vision board and it happens <laughs> for you, right? It is what is authentic to you and how do you build on that? Um, you know, there are certain feelings on the, on the feeling sheet that uh, you gave me that like, I don't really have that often. Like that don't make sense to me, but we're all different people and we go through life differently. We have different goals. You know, as you and I discussed, my husband, my husband's a stay at home dad and has a very different outlook on how he wants to spend the day and what, you know, what his brain wants to achieve. And they're both super valid and super valuable, but we're going to go about designing our lives in very different ways. They happen to mesh very well together, but you have to respect that every person has a different way of approaching things when they're really being truly authentic. And you have to honor that and build on that rather than expecting some formula or some book to give you the pathway. <laughs> well, that's why you become the leader of your life, because it's you leading instead of you telling you fitting into somebody else's blueprint and saying this is the path, right? And remembering it's about right. what works for you. And there's going to be, we've done this a lot of like, okay, commit to the best case scenario and go experiment and see how it turns out, right? With the commitment of the best case scenario. And, and do you like it that way? Or do you want to make a pivot in that? Right. right. And if you're going for the best case scenario, and you don't get it, it's okay. And it doesn't mean you're a failure, right? Because if we're constantly swinging for the fences, we're, we're not going to always get it. And that's fine. But if you start from the standpoint of you're, you're not being enough, or I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not important enough, then you're going to believe that when you have failure, which comes all the time, that that's confirmation of that gremlin voice. And that's just BS. Everyone fails constantly. And it's uh, not assigning too much of a story to that failure and getting up and figuring out, you know, the next thing to try. That's uh, where the growth mindset comes in and where you see people who have achieved amazing things. It's not that they haven't failed. It's that they've regrouped and tried again and tried again. Have there been times when you've gone through your struggles where you just wanted to hide away? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, okay, that's great. Put on your pants, go to work. You know, um, it's not that the, uh, the, this pro this idea of like a promised land or like, uh, you know, I'd love to win the lottery. Would you say no to the lottery? Hell no, right? I mean, I'd love for everything to just be perfect and money to come in and me to be able to, I don't know, get my nails done or wh whatever it is. But that's that's a fantasy. That's not the real world. But it doesn't mean that there aren't amazing things possible in the real world. So I think we get this idea that like, Either you're the CEO of a huge company and, you know, you don't do any work all day or whatever, whatever the fantasy is, or you're just this like low level nothing with no opportunity. There's, there's a lot of other stuff out there. And if you knew what was underneath the, the CEO uh, mm -hmm. glimmer, gleam, sizzle, you'd know that uh, no one's immune from this stuff. 
Yes, everybody, everybody has this stuff. And you may not want that CEO position too, because it may not be as, as glam as you actually think it is. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Miriam, I want to say thank you so much for coming and making some time to f- today to talk about your experience and for being a listener. And uh, do you have any takeaways about the show for people who are listening and how you make best use of the show? Well, of course, my first recommendation is to do some one-on-one coaching or group coaching, which is how I started, because when you really apply it to yourself, it's so much more powerful. Um, but, you know, listen to some of the listen to some of the old ones. Listen to if, if there's a glimmer of something that uh, in your brain when you hear something in a podcast, you know, listen to it a couple times. I think you taught me that. You know, you can read the same Brene book 10 times and get 10 totally different things out of it. Um, And so 12 years is an incredible amount of material. It's all in there, but use it. Don't don't just be an observer because that's that's not even scratching the surface of, of what you can get out of it. That's fantastic. Yes. I just, just this morning. So right now I have an advanced copy of Brene's dare to lead book that I've been reading and I'm going through her training for that. And then I, I was listening to her daring greatly book, right? Which she just re-recorded in her voice. And so when I was making breakfast, I was listening to that and I was like, Oh, rewind. What was that? I mean, this is the work that I do, right? I have, I've gone through the training. I've done the work. I have the videos on daring way. And listening to that book sparked something else inside of me that I was able to attach to. So there's never, it's not like a one and done. And that's the thing I love about podcasts is that you can go back. There's, I think, 600 shows at this point. They're not wow. all available on iTunes, but you can go on my website. There's all these great shows and not just Brene. There's Gay Hendricks. There's D- Dr. David Hawkins, who you know no longer exists here with us. But there's some great stuff on there and content that's evergreen that you can go and tap into and listen and to. And there's Corinne. There's <laughs> your own brain, which sometimes you discount. But even as much as I can learn about your background in sports, and I'm like the least athletic person around... <laughs> But I learn all these things. Oh, that's how you, you know, you teach the kids who can't get a certain stroke. Or here's how you deal with parents who really want a certain vision for their kid and the kid isn't achieving. It's all super valuable. And there are many ways to get at some of these core truths that you get to. So for listeners, figure out what resonates with you. Um, I think you've given them hundreds of ways to access some of the same fundamental truths. So, so think about what resonates and then how you can put it into practice. Well, thank you, Miriam. Well said. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for partnering with me and trusting me and being a listener of the show. Thank you so much. And 12 more years. <laughs> there we go. That's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> Miriam mentioned the feelings menu. And I call it a feelings menu because when you go into a restaurant, you don't just sit there and say, oh, well, will you order me this? Because maybe they don't have it on the menu. So how would you know what to order without a menu? Of course, there are some really special restaurants that don't have a menu. But generally, there's a menu you go and you get to pick what it is that you want to order. And so I have this feelings menu because one of the things that's so important is for us to get connected with the feelings that we feel 
and what's going on inside of us. And so I created this menu of feelings, common feelings that most of my clients have, and then they can look at it, which then allows them to get clear about this is the feeling. And like Miriam said, it's not about feeling like garbage or have another client who likes to say she feels she feels like dirt. She no longer says that anymore. But we use those other words instead of actually what are we feeling? So the feeling menu, you can download that. There's a link in the show notes available for you. And I also have the mindset practice, which Miriam uses and my clients use as well. And you can go ahead and practice that on your own. So I really want to thank you. My heart is so full. 12 years. This blows my mind. I'm just honored and privileged to be able to have the show for you to walk down this path with me. It's been an incredible journey. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so. Sold-